Well, I'd invite you to take your Bibles this morning and turn to Matthew chapter 25. We're also going to be referencing Romans chapter 12, which is only one verse, and feel free to turn to that as well, but I can read that for you if you want to instead turn to Colossians chapter 3 and just kind of hold your places there because we'll come back uh, to that scripture a little bit later. We are looking, of course, in the Sundays of January and February at the seven deadly sins. So we've already looked at pride. We've addressed envy. We looked last Sunday at anger. And now today we look at sloth. And before we get started this morning, maybe we ought to ask the question, what in the world is sloth? It sounds, rather than a deadly sin, it sounds more like a deadly disease. Don't you think? Somebody walks up to you and they look really bad, like they're not feeling well, and you say, what in the world is wrong with you? And they might say, well, I got the flu, or I got a cold, or I got arthritis. Well, I got the sloth. What, what in the world is sloth? We need to make sure we know what sloth is all about. Well, Kathleen Norris, in her book entitled Acedia and Me, and that's spelled A-C-E-D-I-A, Acedia and Me, for which I'm grateful for some of the insights about sloth that I'm going to share with you this morning. She says that talking about sloth or acedia is like trying to define a negative, She says it's like trying to grab a shadow. It's kind of hard to grab a shadow, isn't it, and get in touch with with what it's all about. So we need to make sure that we're clear about what sloth or acedia is all about. So I want to put something on the screen here as we begin this morning, just so that you will be in touch with what sloth and acedia is all about. And I'm assuming we have that coming here in just a moment. I'll go ahead and tell you, sloth, here we go, sloth is that broad category that represents a general state of excessive spiritual laziness or idleness or inactivity. It's a spiritual indifference. Now, it can be physical laziness, but for our purposes, we're going to talk about spiritual laziness. When the monk... Eva Eva Grias, that's an interesting name, isn't it? Eva Grias in the fourth century, when he talked about the eight bad thoughts, which eventually became the seven deadly sins, he used the term acedia. Now, acedia is the Greek word which means an absence or a lack of caring. It can mean to be apathetic. Sometimes it involves a sense of despair. It involves melancholy. It involves depression. When the monks were living out in the desert, they called it the noonday demon. The noonday demon. Here you are, a monk, living out in the middle of the desert, and it's noon, and it's hot, and you're tired, and you're thirsty, and you're hungry, and you're feeling bored, and you're feeling restless, because your life 
is solely designed to be a life of prayer and silence and solitude out in the desert, also combined with some manual labor. And suddenly, in the middle of the day, you're tempted to say, is it really worth it all? Here I've given my life to prayer and silence and solitude and manual labor. Is it really worth it all? And so the monastics called Asidia the noonday demon. So, whether it, and thank you for putting that on the screen. So, whether it's using the gifts that God gives us, or maybe we should really say not using the gifts that God gives us in inactivity, or whether it's the inability to care any longer for the things that we formerly and previously had cared for. Sloth or acedia takes us out of the game. It puts us on the bench as a spectator rather than a participant. So we've got two sides of the same coin. We've got the part of sloth that means we don't want to do anything. We want to say no to stuff. We want to be inactive. We want to be disinterested in spiritual things. Or the other side of the coin is we've cared, cared very deeply about things. We've had a passion for it. And now, for whatever reason, we just don't care any longer. Whether it's sloth or acedia, both of them tempt us to waste the life that God has given us. So, let's take a few moments and look at both of those. Let's look, first of all, at sloth, because sloth is when we waste our life in such a way that we don't use the gifts and the talents that God has given us. If you look over now in Matthew 25, in your Bibles, we have the parable that Jesus gives called the parable of the talents. We have a master who is getting ready to go away on a long journey, and he calls three of his trusted servants to him, and he gives to each of them, according to their ability, five, two, and one talent, respectively. And he invites them to use it well, to invest the talents, to multiply them. So the first two servants multiply their talents from five to ten and from two to four. But the third servant takes his talent, doesn't even put it on deposit with the bankers. He goes out in the backyard, gets a shovel, digs a hole in the ground, and puts the talent there for safekeeping. When the master comes back after that long journey, after some time has elapsed, he calls all three servants back in for an update. Let's have a reporting time. Let's see how well, you have been a good steward of the talents that I've given you. And the first two report, hey, we've doubled ours. And they get that commendation. Well done, good and faithful servant. I'm going to put you in charge of more things. But the third servant admits that he was scared. And he didn't know what to do with the talent, so he put it in the ground, digging a hole, covered it up. Now look there in verse 26 of chapter 25, and let's get the reaction of the master. He says, you wicked, lazy, no good, rotten, knucklehead. Of, oh, that, that is all in there, isn't it? Oh, I'm sorry. I, that was the Rogers translation. You wicked, lazy servant. Now, the word lazy is the word for sloth. You wicked, lazy, slothful 
servant. The word sloth can mean backward looking. It can mean unwilling to act. It can mean idle. It can mean disinterested. You disinterested, lazy, unwilling to act servant. And then look on down in verses um, 28 and 29 because we get here the consequences of his sloth. The master says, take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have even what he has will be taken from him. Now, the fact is, you and I, all of us, we all have opportunities to use the gifts, the talents, the time, the money, the possessions, the things with which God has blessed us. And you and I both know that we often, when given the opportunity, often we say no. The answer is not yes, but the answer is no. Would you participate in this class or this small group or even lead or teach or facilitate this class or this small group? No. I don't have time. Can't do it. Not talented, gifted enough. Would you go on the mission trip? Would you be involved in some missional ministry in our community? Would you help serve a meal on Tuesday night? Would you tutor a kid on Monday and Tuesday? Would you volunteer at the medical clinic? Would you serve a meal at the community shelter? Would you fill in the blank? No. Don't have time, not interested. I don't think I'm good enough. There's somebody else you can call on. Would you build a relationship with a friend or a neighbor or a coworker and then tell them about Jesus? No, I couldn't do that. I don't know enough about the Bible. God has blessed us with money, things, possessions. Would you be a generous giver for the work of God's kingdom? No, no. Now, let me tell you what happens. If you say no long enough, what you're really saying is, I like the sidelines and the bench, and I don't want to be in the game. And if you say no long enough, I will promise you this. Eventually, the opportunities will dry up and they will disappear. And if they have disappeared from your life, that may be a good sign that you've made a reputation of saying no. And what happens, logically speaking, is that when our spiritual laziness and inactivity and an indifference and sloth takes over, God still acts. You see, God will do his kingdom work. He may have picked you out to be the person who will do this particular job. He wants you to say yes. And he keeps giving you opportunities and you say no. And let me tell you what's going to happen. God will go around you. He'll go to someone else. Because he is going to do his kingdom work. And if those opportunities disappear, 
it may be a good sign that sloth, laziness, idleness has taken over your life. I had two uncles, one on my father's side and one on my mother's side. Both of those uncles were good men. They were good men. Both of them were hard workers in their chosen profession. They had great sense of They loved their families. They were both good husbands and fathers and eventually grandfathers. They were both good uncles to me and to other members of the family. Both of them had a good reputation in the community and had a good reputation, again, in their chosen profession. But both of them, from my observation, had little, if any, spiritual fiber about them. I'm not being judgmental. I'm just being observational. Jesus told us not to judge, but he didn't say anything about fruit inspecting, that you couldn't fruit inspect. So observationally, from what I could see in the years that I knew them before their deaths, they had little, if any, spiritual fiber. They just never evidenced any love for God and never evidenced any love for God's church. They were not antagonistic against church. In fact, one of those uncles told me one time, he said, it's a good thing that you've decided to go into the ministry and become a pastor. It's a good thing. They were not antagonistic against the church. They were just indifferent. They didn't care. It was kind of interesting to me as much as they like to be in the game in other matters, they really like being on the bench when it came to spiritual matters. It was also interesting to me that both of their families asked me to officiate their funerals when they died. That, in large measure, was because neither of them had a pastor. Neither of them had a church. So I officiated both of their funerals. But if you think about it for a moment, what in the world do you say? Even if you're that person's nephew, what do you say about that person at their funeral when there's very little evidence of a spiritual life with God? Put yourself in my shoes. What do you say? I mean, you know, well, man, he was a good uncle. He was a good family member. He, he was a good husband, a good grandfather, a good dad. Boy, he sure did love to play golf. He sure did love to hunt and fish. He was a good man. You know, it... It would not be a bad exercise for all of us to spend some time thinking and wondering and reflecting about what the pastor who officiates your funeral or memorial service, what the pastor who officiates that service will be unable to say. Will be unable to say. Because spiritual laziness and idleness and disinterested disinterest 
sloth rule the day in your life or my life? So that's the first part, the first side of the coin of sloth and acedia. You're disinterested. You're lazy. You're indifferent. You don't care about spiritual things. You say no so much that you cut off the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. But there's another side of the coin where we waste our life. We waste our life because we're indifferent, but we sometimes also waste our lives when we have cared and we have had passion and we have had a sense of calling and now all of a sudden we don't feel that sense of passion and interest and excitement about those former commitments. We, we kind of quit caring. We just quit caring. You see, wherever our commitments lie, for the monastics out in the desert, it was in their cell in a life of silence and solitude and prayer and manual labor. For many of us, it's in our work, what we do every day in our vocations. For many of us, it may be a commitment to our faith community, to our church. For some of us, it involves a commitment to marriage, maybe a long-term marriage or certainly our family. It may mean some cause or passion that we have in the community or in the world. But wherever our commitments lie, sometimes we come under this self-delusion that our boredom or our restlessness or our feeling overwhelmed means we're better off hitting the road. We're better off getting away from the situation because no doubt about it, the grass always does seem greener on the other side, right? The grass always is greener. Kathleen Norris notes in her book that acedia, or a form of sloth, is often observed in people whose hours are long, whose work is hard, and the fruit of the labor, the rewards are slow to appear. People, for instance, who are in the teaching profession, who teach or are professors, people who are counselors or social workers, people who are poets or writers, individuals who are parents of children or a husband or a wife in a long-term marriage, or people who are pastors or priest, or ministers. She notes that acedia, sloth, can often show itself in people whose work is long and hard and the fruit and the rewards are not often seen. So what happens is that we often become bored. We become restless. We become overwhelmed with some real or imagined pain or sadness or grief or disappointment, and it sets into the point where we no longer care. We kind of become apathetic about our jobs, about our marriages, about some passion or commitment that we formerly had. And the sad part about it is that we stop feeling bad about not caring any longer. That's when you really know acedia has set in, sloth. So we no longer care about the marriage, whether it's successful or whether we're faithful. We no longer care about our work. We no longer find ourselves crying when we read about a genocide in the world or a suicide bombing or some other terrorist act. 
We don't find our hearts touched very often when we run into people who can't find a job or who are hungry or who can't fi cannot find adequate health care or they come out of prison and there's no support surrounding them. Spiritually speaking, Acedius sets in and we don't care whether we open the Bible. Acedius sets in. We just don't care whether we pray or whether we worship any longer or whether we're connecting with other believers. We don't care any longer if we serve or if we give or if we attend. Like some of the folks at the church at Laodicea in Revelations chapter 3, they were neither hot nor cold, but just lukewarm. And that's how faith feels to us. We're not hot with passion. We're not cold necessarily turned off. We're just lukewarm. We just don't care any longer. So what's the remedy? Maybe you feel that way this morning. Maybe you've quit caring about something in your life that you formerly had cared about a whole lot. And Acedia has set in. So what's the remedy? Well, I think Paul gives us that remedy in two locations. One is in Romans chapter 12, verse 11. Paul writes, never be lacking in zeal. Now, another way you could translate that, that particular word that we get for sloth is actually found there in that verse. Never be lacking in zeal, or you could say, in another way, don't be slothful. Don't be looking backwards. Don't be lazy. Don't be uncommitted. Don't lose your passion about what God has called you to do, whether it's in your work or your marriage or in your church or in the community or world. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. That's the key phrase, serving the Lord. And then over in Colossians, chapter 3, verses 23 through 24, Paul writes these words that echo and mirror much of what we just read. Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord and not for men, since you know that you will receive an, an inheritance from the Lord as a an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ that you are serving. When acedia and sloth sets in, when you've quit caring, when you've lost your passion for life, we need to remember that it is the Lord Christ that we are serving. We're not serving our spouse. We're not serving our children. We're not serving our parents. We're not serving our employer, our job. We're not serving our church. We're not serving the students we teach or the patients or the clients that we take care of and assist. When it's all said and done, at the end of the day, you and I are serving the Lord Christ. He's the one who we serve. He's the one who calls us, and we do it faithfully day after day, week after week, month after month, and year after year, even when we get restless and bored and it becomes tedious and second nature and secondhand, we are serving Christ our Lord, remembering whom you're serving, I think goes a long way 
towards battling sloth and acedia.